The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I send it. Welcome to another program with Truths to Live By, a ministry of Harriman Baptist Tabernacle in Harriman, Tennessee. You're listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. I pray we would be a blessing to you today. saved us from our sins, our lives are now in God. We desire the Holy Word to order where we trod. All for Christ, yet anything for self we count as dross. We're pilgrims with a crown With our Bibles open today to the book of Ephesians, chapter number 3, we continue in our study on the unsearchable riches of Christ. We need the Lord's grace and help asking for your prayers as we pray together now, and after a word of prayer, we'll look at Ephesians, chapter 3, and study Christ and the church. Father, it is in Jesus' name that I come now asking for grace and power to preach the word of the Lord, that we might glorify you, magnify the scriptures, and edify the saints. Please give power to the preaching. Give grace to the hearers. Speak to hearts, for Jesus' sake I pray, and in his name, amen and amen. And so we've come to Ephesians chapter 3, and we've studied the unsearchable riches of Christ for several weeks now. We set the context weeks back and saw that the context takes us from creation on to the church and on to the confidence of the believer. We looked at Christ and the creation, and we saw him there as sovereign over creation. And then we looked into Christ and the condescension, and we saw the Creator step into his creation, and he was God manifested in the flesh, or the incarnate Son of God, even the Word which became flesh. And then we moved from there to Calvary, 
and we looked at Christ and the cross and how he became obedient in his condescension unto death, even the death of the cross. And there upon the tree, Christ, the Son of God, became the sin-bearer, and he bore our sins in his own body upon the tree, and he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, that is, the believer's sins only, but also for the sins of the whole world. Today we consider Christ and the church, and we see Christ in an exalted position of supremacy in the church. He is the head of the church. Ephesians chapter 3, let's begin in the middle of the sentence, verse number 7, Paul says, Whereof I was made a minister, according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his power. Unto me who am less than the least of all saints is this grace given, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God, who created all things by Jesus Christ, to the intent that now under the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God, according to the eternal purpose which he purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of him. And so we've come now to consider Christ and the church. When did the church begin? The question must be asked, and the answer should be given. Obviously, from our context, we see that the church of the Lord was hid in God from the beginning of the world. It is one of those mystery truths unrevealed in the Old Testament, but revealed in the New. We can find this throughout the context of verses 1 through 12, and then compare with Romans 16, verse 25 through 27, and we see there where Paul mentions that the mystery truths were given unto him. Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel, and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery, which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. A mystery here is something kept secret, but now is made manifest. And in Ephesians 3, 1, the fact of the mystery being revealed to Paul is mentioned in verse 3, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery. And so we believe he's referring to the mystery of Christ and his church, one body comprised of both Jew and Gentile. And then if we look at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19, down through 23, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power, 
which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. Note now, Christ has been resurrected, which means he has thus been crucified and buried. But then once resurrected, he has been set down at the right hand in the heavenly places. Therefore, he has been ascended. So he is resurrected, he is ascended, and he is seated. The right hand of the Father, verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And the Father hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. And so we must say that the church began in the heart of God before the world began, but it was kept secret. And the revelation of this church, the body of Christ, a called out assembly of believers, yes, but the body of Christ was a mystery. And it was revealed to Paul. Now, I do believe that after the resurrection and after the ascension and after Christ was seated at the right hand of the Father, he sent the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father, upon the believers who gathered together according to his word, who tarried in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. And so I believe that then and there, at Pentecost, the body of Christ came into being. It was thus formed or born or began there at Pentecost, though its beginning was far beyond this in eternity past in the heart of God, but visibly as a body organized, if you will, an organism living in the world continuing the work of Christ upon this earth and in this age, injected into history after the kingdom was rejected by Israel, God in this gap, in this time period, in, yes, this age of grace, he put the church, and now the church is the headquarters of God. The local church, we believe, is God's headquarters for business in this world, but in that spiritual sense, God sees what we cannot, and therefore the body of Christ, one Lord, one faith, one body, came into being, I believe, on the day of Pentecost and was empowered the very same day. And so we believe the church then is the building of God, the body of Christ, and the bride of Christ. There are three aspects I believe the Bible teaches concerning the church, that of the spiritual or heavenly assembly, what we would call the body of Christ, the church, which is his body. And then there is that of the local assembly, and thus we believe the body of Christ is manifested visibly and locally. But then we also see the eternal assembly. And a good verse for this is in Ephesians chapter 3, at the end of the chapter, he says, Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. 
Amen. And so we find three aspects to the church. I must say up front, I am not a local church only. I am not a Baptist brider, but I am local church only in my practice, though not in my position. There are certain passages of Scripture where the church is referred to, especially in the book of Ephesians, that no local church can fully embody, and thus we must admit that the Bible allows for something larger and greater than any one given local church. But don't misunderstand me, please. I am a local church man, and I believe in the churches of God throughout this world. And these are the ones carrying out the work of God in this age. And where we are concerned, we are the body of Christ in our local assembly, operating together as one with many members, but in Christ. And so we'll look more at this together our next time, the Lord willing. We thank you for making this ministry a part of your day. And in closing, we want to point you to the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 4. He answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And truly, it is written. God's word, every word, presents us with truths to live by. You've been listening to Brother Benjamin Cooley. Please send all correspondence to Truths to Live By, P.O. Box 575, Harriman, Tennessee, 37748. Or you can email us at bmarkcooley at gmail.com. And finally, brethren, pray for us.